Welcome to the Training Design Podcast with me, Sheridan Webb of the Training Designers Club, where we make training design quicker, easier and less stressful for busy L&D professionals. In each episode, I'm joined by a VIP member of the Training Designers Club or a specially invited guest to talk about a specific element of training design that they have expertise in that we can use to improve or refresh our own practice. And today I am absolutely delighted to be joined by VIP member Eleanor Hudgel of Pure Learning Limited. Eleanor has been a member of our community now for a good couple of years and she is an absolutely fantastic training designer. So Eleanor, it's wonderful to have you here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Thanks, Sheridan. Yeah, great to be here with you today. So yeah, I'm Eleanor Hudgel. I'm a freelance training designer. I've been involved in L&D for, gosh, probably 25 years or so. For the last 10 years, I've been out there on my own as a freelancer. So I do a lot of associate work, have some direct client work as well. And I design live events, but also a lot of digital kind of assets as well. Things like infographics and e-learning and bits and pieces. And I do a lot of consultancy with different clients as well to develop solutions for them across pretty much every industry you could think of. So I've always been a generalist, never been industry specific. But yeah, I think over the course of my career, I've probably worked in almost every industry and with a really wide range of clients. And I think that's the thing that, um, you know, when we talk, it is really obvious that you really understand learning and you can apply that to pretty much whatever's thrown at you, which is exactly what you need when you hire a learning designer. Well, quite. Yeah. Yeah. I would say learning is the only thing that I'm really specialist in. I'm not specialist in anything else. So I design over across a really broad range of topics, as I say, for a really broad range of industries. So the thing that I'm passionate about learning and development and everything else is just kind of an add-on like the different topics and a different context in which I might be designing or consulting. Learning is very much at the core of everything that I do and everything that I care about. Which is why we never ever get bored because I was um, before I started Absolutely. the training designers club I was had a very very similar role to you yeah. and I say every project is different every client is different you're always learning new things which makes it really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's, you know, it might be the same topic within a completely different client and a completely different context, or it might be a similar kind of client, but a completely new topic. So yeah, you know, obviously there's some repetition, but every single sort of assignment or project you're given does challenge you in a slightly different way, does give you the opportunity to learn something new, to grow and develop yourself. So yeah, I think that learning through learning is what really makes it rewarding. Yeah, and that's probably why today we're we're here to talk about our curiosity and our adventures so far into artificial intelligence. And because I think because of our backgrounds and we're always learning new things, when this thing called artificial intelligence uh, popped onto our radars, we were curious about it, I guess. Yeah, curious um, and excited. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember a time in my long career when there's been something that's come out that has changed things so quickly and turned things upside down so quickly and challenged us to kind of, you know, break into a sprint to keep up with it in a really positive way. I mean that in a positive way. I don't mean that as a negative at all. And it's exciting for something to come along that's really changed the game so significantly and so quickly. 
I mean, I do remember the days when, you know, we first had our work, first ever work email address and yes. the internet was like a really new thing because certainly when I started work, working, there was no internet, there was no emails, nothing like that. But that was more of a gradual and kind of evolution, I think, really, it was. of how we embraced being online and a really long evolution because it's only really in the past, you know, four, five, six years maybe that you know, we generally as a community have embraced virtual learning and, you know, living training over Zoom and that kind of thing. But in terms of AI, that is something that has just kind of come up and taken us all a little bit by surprise and just yeah. swept us all up in its loving embrace very, very quickly and, you know, given us a, an opportunity to really challenge ourselves and push ourselves and be be learners again, be novices again with something. Yeah, I remember when I first started hearing about it, because we we know that in L&D, we often get distracted by the latest shiny objects, don't we? And, yes. and when I first started hearing it, I did think, is this just another shiny object that's going to be a flash yes. in the pan and it will disappear? In 12 um, months time, no one will be talking about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned to be a little bit cautious because of my role in the community. I, I'm, I'm like you, I'm a generous. I, I make it my business to be aware of what's going out there, but I am cautious about Get, getting really into something in case you know it, it doesn't last in case it yeah. you know it's not relevant to the majority of people but I yeah. think like you I get the feeling that AI is a slightly different thing to um yeah absolutely I think we all realize that quite quickly like if I look on my chat GPT history my very first ever question to chat GPT was in April and there was just one in April yeah Nothing in May, actually, funnily enough. And then in June, there's an explosion. <laughs> and actually, interestingly, this is something we might come on to. Since then, I would say I'm starting fewer chats now, but that's because I'm organising my chats and I'm coming to things rather than starting a new conversation every time. But yeah, no, I, I think that we'd all pretty re- realised pretty quickly, didn't we, that this is not something that's going to go away. It's something that is going to transform the world of work worldwide and certainly our little corner of it, I think, is being heavily influenced and transformed in a really positive way. Yeah. I mean, when I first sort of really started looking into it, let's address the question, Eleanor, are we all going to be out of a job in two years time? Because that was my big fear. Absolutely. I think that was all (laughs) of our big fears. And I think that's perhaps why we almost put our heads in the sand a little bit to begin with, because you didn't want to think, oh, this is something that could do my job for me. And this is something we've talked about before, I know, and it is, you know, a bit of an existential question. And it's not just for us as as learning experts. I think there are lots of other jobs and, you know, roles and, and areas where that is being questioned. I think you and I agree on this, that I don't think the answer is yes. I think the answer is it won't put us out of a job. It will change our jobs. Yeah. And those of us that don't go with it may find ourselves out of a job. So I think it is that significant and that existential in that if we don't learn how to use it to our advantage and to make us better at what we do, then we do risk falling by the wayside. I think it's one of those really fundamental changes and and shifts in how we work and how our clients will work as well. It needs to become part and parcel of what we are offering to our clients. Otherwise, we'll become irrelevant pretty quickly. Yeah, it's it's like you said. I think I think it's the speed of it because when I go back and when we are we're of a similar age, um, when I started my training career, what you spent a lot of time doing was reading books 
distilling that information, creating something that was a bit more user-friendly that you could then use as a manual for your course. So, and over time, obviously we realized that we didn't have to do all of that sort of pure content creation because we could link to things on the internet. We could signpost things. So we spent less time actually just basically typing out versions of other material that was out there so this is a continuation of that isn't it so so when we stopped having to create manuals we started thinking about how can we create engaging exercises so this is a similar thing so we're still we're still going to be adding value but we're going to be doing it in a different way yeah absolutely I think it also kind of goes alongside how the world of learning has changed over the past three to five years anyway like I remember the days days when I would design and deliver a five-day course face-to-face in person in a training room for five days I don't see that happening anymore I mean certainly you know when it comes to maybe compliance or technical training and that kind of thing certainly for the kind of behavioral and skills-based training that I'm involved in the idea of of taking people out of their jobs for five days and having them in a training room together is just completely bonkers. Yeah. It just doesn't happen anymore. So, you know, already over the last few years, the way that we work has evolved to include more pre-course, post-course, self-directed stuff, using the internet, using kind of online learning to supplement and to provide some of the knowledge and all that kind of thing. So we've, you know, spending less time in the training room together but we're asking people to do more for themselves and to sort of direct themselves more and do more guided reflection and that kind of thing and I think that the way that AI has come up really supports that and enhances and kind of just kind of works alongside that shift anyway it's kind of part of that same shift if you know what I mean Mm. so yeah we're no longer creating you know 200 page manuals and you know five days of training it's much more agile it's much more fluid it's much more social based learning as well so I think that AI helps us to do that better yeah and supports us in that kind of different perspective on what makes really good learning experience yeah and certainly when I started looking into this and the the first time I really started looking at it properly, I guess, was when I booked a specialist to come and do a session for us at our training design festival in the right, summer. Yeah. And it blew everyone's mind. And I think because he just came up with a course outline and it it took seconds. So I think we were all like, oh, my goodness me, this is absolutely amazing. You know, what are we what are we going to be doing? But since then, you and I have really gone into it and obviously we had a big focus on it in the VIP um, community so every day we were looking at different ways that we could use AI and it's only when you start to delve into it that you realize where its strengths are and where perhaps we shouldn't be using it and it's it's like any tool isn't it you you have to know when it's the right tool for the job I suppose and and when it's best left alone (laughs) yeah absolutely but also how to use it for that particular job and to not just use it in the same way every time regardless you've still got to and that's what comes back to the question of will it put us out of a job I don't think it will because the skill we be, will be in knowing how to use it as a human being because it will only do what we ask it to do yes it won't go off and do things independently kind of thing so we <laughs> still <yet>. need to <laughs> yeah not yet who knows right yeah we still need to have that human to human interaction with our clients to understand what they need to ask the right questions to then interpret 
their responses and the information they're giving us into something that we believe will work for them and their learners and their audience and will engage them and deliver the outcomes and objectives that they want. And then we can use ChatGPT to help us to kind of build out those ideas, but we need to give it the ideas to begin with. It won't come up with those itself. So that's why I don't think it's going to put us completely out of a job, but we can definitely use it to make what we deliver uh, to enhance what we deliver and potentially save us some time as yeah. well, um, rather than starting absolutely from scratch with a blank sheet of paper, which is one thing that I hate doing and <laughs> always try always try to avoid doing. And now I love the fact that ChatGPT immediately you know, makes me not have to do that because I can you know give it my questions and say, this is what I know about this project. What do you think kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. And then you start that collaboration. Because as a freelancer, I've for the last 10 years, particularly, I've worked pretty much on my own, you know, sat in my home office. I rarely, particularly since the pandemic, you know, rarely have an opportunity to collaborate face to face with anybody else. It's very much just me and my laptop, which I absolutely love. And the Doppins, um, of course. Don't forget yes, the Doppins. <laughs> but yes, they are absolutely. Virtual. No, absolutely. And that's why the, the community actually has been amazing in that, because you do have a bit of collaboration, being mm. able to chat with people over the WhatsApp, join the drop-ins and all of the other events that you put on which are so great for us but yeah day-to-day as well just being able to collaborate with chat gpt i've definitely found has made my life easier it's made it more fun more interesting and as i say i'm loving learning a new skill for myself it's um it's like you say they're just going to pick out a couple of things that that you said it's what it can't do is subtle interpretation and use judgment which is very much still down to us but the term I use quite a lot is to how it does add value is it does the heavy lifting and that's that's my so I mean you think about how long it takes how how many hours we lose searching for the right thing to include and one of the things that I noticed um, and we we talked a lot about chat GPT so actually we'll come to you know what you're using and how you're using it one of the things I've noticed about artificial intelligence and its superiority over just doing a google search is that it is just all in one place you're not distracted by adverts you're not having to click all the links and then decide it just presents you with one clean piece of information that you can say yay or nay to and as you said you can then engage in a conversation to say I haven't heard about this can you expand on it yeah exactly that so previously so for example this week I'm writing a course on authentic leadership yeah which I'm delighted about because it's something that I sort of understood conceptually but I've never actually written about before or designed anything for so this this is my idea of fun this is like an ideal assignment for me so I was like oh great what fun so Previously, I would have started to just Google what's authentic leadership, what are the main principles, what are the dimensions, and if I had particular things that I wanted to explore in my course, I would have kept on putting new Google prompts in. And then, of course, you get hundreds of websites. You've got to look at all the different websites and see which ones are any good, which ones you agree with, and then trying to kind of like condense everything you've learned from 20 different websites into what you actually want to say. So as you say, Sheridan, now you can just put that one question into ChatGPT and it will do that condensing and that reading for you and then give you a summary of everything that's out there that answers that question. And you can also ask much more specific questions and get some much more specific answers. Yes. So for example, with ChatGPT, I can say something like, me five questions I can ask my learners to help them identify how authentic they currently are in their role. And it will literally give me those questions. In fact, I did this yesterday 
And I didn't like a lot of them. They were a little bit vague and a little bit open. So I was like, okay, please make these all closed-ended questions that I can only answer by yes or no. I wanted to do a quick icebreaker activity yeah. to start off the course. And some of them were okay. Some of them were a bit odd where it had just taken these open questions and just made them into a closed question. It didn't really work. So I was like, okay, please start all of these questions with have you ever or do you ever? And yeah. then now we were getting somewhere and now we were starting to get somewhere. So that for me was really fun thing to do. So rather than me having to sit there and think of all those questions myself, I knew generally what I wanted to do and what the exercise I wanted to create was going to look like and how it was going to work. But rather than me spending an hour maybe thinking of all these questions, I spent 10 minutes with ChatGPT and come up with those questions. And yes, I'm going to tweak them. So now it's given me 10 questions. Some of them I like, some of them are not so great. But it's again, it's not having that blank sheet of paper, isn't it? Yeah. So it's given me a starting point, And then I will then put my interpretation onto that based on my experience and what I know about it and what I know about the client and the audience and make those questions fit for purpose for my particular project but yeah it just gives you that starting point and you would have never been able to do that via Google exactly well I just researching as a similar thing so I was running a course quite recently and we were going to be covering transactional analysis Um, now it was with a group of tradespeople so all the examples that I have um, are to do with office-based and managers and this, that, and the other. And I thought yeah. that's not going to land with them. So I Absolutely. used ChatGPT to say, can you write out a scenario illustrating transactional analysis in the game of the transactions between two tradespeople working on site? And Amazing. as you said, it wasn't perfect, but yeah. it was it was close enough that I could then take it and yes. edit it so that it was right, which does actually bring me to a quite an important point. Some people who perhaps don't understand learning and don't understand training design will think that they don't need a training designer because they can just ask ChatGPT to write a course and copy and paste it and over it goes. But we know that you can't just copy and paste it. For for one thing, in all the videos and the things that I've been doing um, about this, is that we know that everything on the internet isn't right. <laughs> we we know that yep. you know it's um, that there is a lot of nonsense out there and it's rubbish in, rubbish out. So yes. it will reflect inaccuracies. But we also have to yep. be really careful about copyright and infringement and all of that sort of thing. So you and I, I think, instinctively say, well, we're just going to use that to prompt our own thinking, and then we're going to write our own version. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, as you say, you can't just, you can't just, great as it is, you can't just put something to chat GPT and completely copy and paste what it comes out without adding any kind of human element or judgment or anything onto it. And I have seen that done. And believe me, you can tell. Yeah, You can immediately tell if that's what someone's done. And it's very frustrating to see. I'm like, well, it's great that you're embracing this new technology. However, <laughs> you know, I know that you are an experienced designer and learner learning expert in what you do so, so don't forget that so yeah I have seen that done and it and it yeah it just doesn't work and it and it's immediately very obvious you've got to put the context you've got to put the nuance you've got to make it feel human make it feel relevant yeah absolutely you have to still add your own expertise and experience into it to make it something that really is fit for purpose so yeah you can get lots of ideas and your example about but, you know, a new, a different industry sector that perhaps you're not familiar with. That's a great mm. example because, you know, it might be a completely new industry sector that you've never worked with before. So you're trying to imagine, oh, what might this be like for these people? How might this work for them? You don't really know. You're only kind of guessing. And yes, you can go back to the client and ask for examples, but that's going to take time. But obviously, from ChatGPT, that's a great way of using it to get that 
context. And again, as you say, you're not going to copy and paste that and just use that verbatim, but it gives you an idea of, okay, that's the sort of scenario at least people might be in and I can now use that as a basis. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I know is similar between us is we use it very much as an iterative process. So we ask yeah. a question, we look at what comes up with, and then we refine and we, we refine. And yes, we absolutely. Refine. And then there comes a point and go, that's close enough. Now I know what I'm doing. And off we go and we do the final version ourselves. And I think that it just feels like a very natural way to use it. And, and we've been talking almost exclusively about chat GPT as well. And I think I know that that is our go-to tool. There are so many out there and I can't keep up with it. I really can't. There's AI tools for anything that you want to do for image creation, for video creation, for audio, yeah. for anything out there. And it's overwhelming, to be totally honest. Yes, um, I agree. Yeah, I feel like I, yeah, I've pretty much just stuck with Jack GPT and I feel like I have a relationship with it now. <laughs> A, I have a paid subscription, so obviously I'm going to use it. Yeah. You know, B, I've created my, um, what do we, they call it, my kind of persona. Yeah. So I've told it, given it custom instructions, and this is a good tip for people who aren't aware of this, actually. And I learned this through someone on the um, the VIP Members Club, actually. So there's a thing called custom instructions in there. So you can tell ChatGPT who you are yeah. and what you want from it. So I've put in there who I am and what I do and what generally I'm trying to achieve when I'm asking you questions. This is the context that I'm giving you. So rather than every time having to say, I'm designing a course, I'd like to be interactive and engaging, blah, blah, blah. You put that into your custom instructions. So it kind of knows you and who you are and what you're yeah. trying to achieve. Now, of course, I'm sometimes going to use it for different things. Like I've used it to help me design itineraries for holidays and, yeah. and things like that, but but that's okay. But, you know, 90% of the time I am using it for to aid my training design. Yeah. And I've also obviously built up now all these different chats over time I come back to. So I'll come back to something that I started talking about two months ago because I want to revisit that topic for a different client. So I've kind of got this history now yeah. and that's actually really valuable. And that's been a lot of work over the last three, four, five months, building up that history and that understanding. And as I say, I feel we have an, I feel that me and chat have an understanding now and it kind of gets me. <laughs> so oh, I'm the, reluctant oh, to start that again. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so I'm reluctant to start that again. I did have a, I have had a couple of times where it's gone down, yeah. which is very frustrating when you're in the middle of something and you're kind of in the middle of a collaboration with it and then suddenly it just stops working but it's overloaded or whatever and I have had to resort to Bard yeah. but that wasn't great because because I'd never really used it it was just starting from scratch and starting afresh like a first date if you like yeah. Sheridan um, <laughs> and it was a bit like it didn't really get what I was trying to do so I just kind of left it and went chat gpt once it was back online again <laughs> so yeah of course there are loads of other tools out there we do tend to default to talking about chat gpt because it's sort of the you know the big one the best known one and it's very probably easy the most evolved and advanced one yeah it's, it is it's very easy to use you don't you know you don't need to learn to use it really you literally just type in your question and i just yeah. want to come back to sort of one of the tips that you uh, that you mentioned there is about how important it is to don't delete your chats because yes. in our design festival, Steve showed us how to, it gave ChatGPT five of my blogs and said, so what's the style? So it analyzed the style of my writing. And now if I want it to draft me a blog and I've never actually copied and pasted one, I put it in that stream because in that particular chat, because it's already said, this is my style. Whereas if I just went to a complete new chat and said, oh, write me a blog about, it wouldn't sound like me. 
Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, I agree. It's really useful to go back to the same chats where you you may have over the course of a particular thread, you've kind of evolved and you've asked it different questions. You've almost coached it to give you yes. the outputs and outcomes that you want. And once you've got to that point, don't start that over again. The next time you come to do something similar, yeah, absolutely come back to that and you know, name that chat. So one thing that I do quite often, for example, is write scenarios. And I use those as like a post-course tool to help people embed the learning. So to reflect the key learning points, give them some scenarios and say, you know, what would you do in this scenario? And that's a quite a nice little tool to give people after they've had the sort of majority of the learning. And there's, a, there's quite a specific way that I like to write these scenarios. So the first time I used ChatGPT to do this, it took me a while yeah. to kind of get ChatGPT on the same page as me in terms of the tone and the style and how I wanted to approach the scenarios and the length and all of that kind of thing. And once I've got some scenarios from it on that first topic I liked, I've now that chat yeah. and I come back to it every time I want a new set of scenarios. So that I can then say, in a similar style, please give me three new scenarios on this topic or with these outcomes or whatever it may be. So, yeah, I do find myself now much more going back to previous chats and re-engaging on that topic and because I might want to just kind of add to it or expand on it or something like that. So yeah. if I look back over my chats in the past, before I kind of had come to that realisation, I had lots of different chats about similar things. Yes. Because every time I come back to it, I'd start it again, which is frustrating now when I go back. But now I don't do that. And I'm, I'm kind of organising um, all of my previous chats, naming them something that I know what it is when I come back to it. Yeah. And yeah, coming back to them and then picking up that conversation again. And the same with like course overviews. There's a certain way that I like to write and present a course overview. And as I say, it's taken a while to coach chat GPT on how I want to do that. But now I've got that, I can keep that chat. And every time I go back for a new course overview, I can come back and say, in the same style, here are the objectives I've got for this course, create me an overview. And again, I'm not going to copy and paste that, of course not, but it gives me that starting point. So again, I'm not starting with a blank sheet of paper. Yeah, it's very interesting. You've used the word collaborate and train, and it is very much like having a colleague, isn't it? But but it's a colleague who mm -hmm. doesn't mind how many times you say, do it again. <laughs> yes, quite. Yes, absolutely. And I think you and I, Sheridan, we both tend to be quite polite, don't we? And we yeah, do do things and thank yous. Yeah. Which well, I'm not sure is entirely necessary, but it just feels right. It does feel right. But I notice a lot of the prompts, you know, because I've done a lot of research so that I could support people in the community. A lot of the prompts out there that you see are they give ChatGPT a persona. So they'll say, yes. you are a mm -hmm. data engineer. Da, da, da. I don't do that. I, I say, either. I am doing this. Can you help me with? So I very much treat yes. it as an assistant exactly what I do Sheridan and I'm not sure if that's right or wrong but so far it kind of works but I think because I've given it the instructions the custom instructions it knows who I am and what I'm trying to achieve so mm. when I say I'm doing this I feel like it kind of gets that and it can give it that context yeah you're right as you say a lot of the sort of prompts out there you'll see is you are a whatever your task is to do this in this way me it just feels more natural to treat it more as a conversation yeah so I'm trying to achieve this. Can you help me? What do you think? What are your ideas? Please give me some suggestions for this. And then, as you say, it doesn't take offence when you're like, I don't like that. Do it again. <laughs> so you can either just regenerate or sometimes you realise that maybe it's the way that you've asked the question. Absolutely. So one thing that I've picked up as well is, is not to use negatives. Because okay. if you say something like, don't use an overly formal style, for example, we'll pick out the words formal style and it will probably give you an overly formal style. Right. 
it doesn't really understand that you're asking it not to do something. So it's much better to say, please use an informal and engaging style, for example. Yes. So sometimes if it's not giving you what you want, you sort of realise, okay, I mean, ask the question in a different way. So for me, that's the more natural and it feels more like a real life collaboration yeah. rather than saying, as you say, you are this, do this in this style. Yeah. These are the outcomes kind of thing. I wonder if that came because I believe that its origins were in obviously in chatbots. So maybe yes. that's where it comes from. You are a customer service advisor. So and that makes sense, mimicking. I think, for people who are maybe using it for lots of different purposes. But because I'm only ever really using it to design training yeah. in the way that I like to design training, it's always kind of the same starting point and yeah. the same sort of persona. And I don't want to have to say every single time. You are a training designer exactly. trying to design something that is engaging and interactive for a group of learners to be delivered over Zoom or whatever. I don't want to have to do that every time. So I'd rather talk about me and what I'm trying to do and ask it, ask for help yeah. in that. But yes, I guess it depends on on your role and who you are and what you're using it for. And if you do have lots of different hats that you're wearing, maybe it works to do it like that. Yeah. I mean, the other tip that I've picked up is to pause and think, I suppose, a little bit. So the more context and the more guidance we can give it, the better. So what I learned in my very early experiments with it, I suppose, was if I said I need to design a course on time management, it would assume that I was doing an e-learning course and it would give me modules and this, that and the other. So now yes. I always give the I'm going to run a half day course on time management. There will be 12 to 16 people. This is their roles. And, and I tell it. And then obviously yes. I get a much better outcome for that. Definitely. I think it definitely helps to give some context. So, yeah, if you know the audience, the level, perhaps the industry, the numbers, the learning, de the delivery format as well. So is it virtual? Is it live face to face as well? Yes. And that kind of thing. So, yes, you're helping it out by giving it that context. And if you maybe have forgotten some of that, you haven't given enough detail and what you're getting isn't great, then you can be, oh yeah, I, you might sometimes be like, oh, I haven't added that in. I haven't told them. I haven't told them it's for a senior management population or whatever. Yeah. You know, you might have your learning objectives already and that's helpful. And then you can say, these are learning objectives. This is the audience. This is the course duration. And, you know, never, I never use the first thing it gives me. No. Never. Because <laughs> no. it's, not, it's not that good. <laughs> It's not. And it might give me some idea. Oh, I quite like that. I don't like that. Like that's just not going to work. I don't like that. And quite often it does give you the same things over and over again as well. Yes. Um, so sometimes it might be, oh yeah, I quite like that angle. I don't like that angle. So I might say, okay, change this module to be more about this. I'd like this this bit to be longer, this bit to be shorter. Take this bit out. Yeah. And it is that kind of, as you say, an iterative process. And I do think that's what makes it fun. Like if yes. it was going to give you something perfect every time, it would be pointless in us being here we yeah. would be out of a job but <laughs> it's really not the case it's really not the case and it definitely much is as you say it's like having an assistant a junior assistant yes who is prepared to go and do all the research and read all the books that you yeah. don't have time to read and give you a summary of those books and then do all the web browsing and the internet trawling that you don't have time to do and give you a summary of that but all it's giving you is the is the information. Yeah. You're also having to decide how you're going to use and present that information in order to achieve the learning outcomes and create a really engaging learning experience for your audience. So, yeah. you know, it is, and that's that's how it works as a collaboration, I think. It gives you lots of information and ideas, but you still have to make decisions about what you're going to include, how you're going to present it, how you're going to run that particular exercise, 
you know, it might say this is going to take 10 minutes. You're like, that's never going to take 10 minutes. Because <laughs> you know, because we know from our experience, yeah. you know, in reality, you know, we, you need to have a deeper debrief or we need to go into a bit more detail on that or actually... And people need to actually move around and they're going to chat. Yeah, and... <laughs> exactly that, exactly. So that's where our expertise and experience and judgment comes in. And that's why I think it does really work as a collaboration. Yeah. And of course, we still have to then take the content and put it into session plans put it into Mm -hmm. slides workbooks handouts and all the rest of it so there's still a lot more work that needs to be done around it so yes it's uh it's definitely an interesting and as you said it's a constantly evolving tool and i think that it's it isn't going to go away and it is already starting to be embedded in things like google you know, I know there's yep. loads of slide packages out there, camera and things like that. I've got it embedded. Mm-hmm. So yes. it may be if we have this conversation 18 months from now, it's we, we don't even realise that we're using it. No, absolutely. Really I think it will become, yeah, as you say, just part of everyday life, really, in the same way as the Internet so quickly yeah. did, you know. You know, we remember the days when it just wasn't a thing. No one had mobile phones. There was no Internet. And now you can't really imagine life without it. It's just yeah. part and part of Everything you do every single day is internet enabled. And yeah, I suspect that there will be a similar kind of transformation and shift in terms of of AI as well. I think, as you say, if we had this conversation in 12 to 18 months time, it would probably be quite a different conversation. And of course, the, you know, the AI tools are evolving themselves as well. I was into this podcast recently and it said something like when ChatGPT first came out, they reckoned it had the, a brain the size of a, of a bumblebee or something. <laughs> and now... With the latest chat GPT four, it's the size of a squirrel's brain. Okay. So that's that's a pretty quick, you know, growth and evolution and intelligent (laughs) squirrel. I agree. I agree. But at what point will it reach the size of a human brain, the capacity of a human brain, or perhaps even beyond that? Yeah. So yeah, it's always it's gonna keep growing and evolving. And the more we use it, the more we're helping it to grow and evolve as well. I know some people take the view that the more I use it, I'm helping it to be better and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Which I kind of understand, but I think is a bit short sighted because it's going to happen with or without your input. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the whole, as you say, the the future and the ethics of it all are, um, I mean, that's a whole other debate and, and I don't pretend to be clever enough to understand it all. You and I have both embraced ChatGPT from a position of curiosity and in the fact that, you know, if it's around, let's make it our business to get to know it. Unlike you, I've really enjoyed my journey on it. But as I start to see what else is out there, it it, it is a little bit overwhelming. So we have to focus. We have to focus on what is going to help us do what we want to do, like any tool, rather than going, oh, that's a a whizzy gadget. How can I use it? Because then we're being led by the wrong things. We should always be led by the objectives, the outcomes, what it is we're trying to achieve and using AI and you know, and any other tool to help us to achieve that. So just sort of start bringing it to a close, Eleanor. What would be your advice to any L&D practitioner who perhaps hasn't embraced AI yet? What would you recommend? Great question. I think the first thing I'll say is don't be scared. Yeah. Don't be scared. Don't think it's going to take your job away from you because it only will if you're scared of it. It only will if you don't embrace it and use it for your advantage so I do think, as you say, it's there. It's a tool that we can use for our own advantage to make our lives easier, to make our outputs better. And just think of it 
as something new and exciting, a new toy to play with, because it is really fun. And it does mean that we're learning new skills, which is wonderful for us as L&D experts as well, learning to become prompt engineers, but how to use a new technology to help and support us just as we did, you know, with the internet and everything else. So Mm. I would say just see it like that. So I think it's about the mindset, see it as, as we've discussed, as an assistant, as a, as a helpful and useful collaborator. Yeah. Don't become, don't need to become over-reliant on it, but don't ignore it. Don't be scared of it. Give it a go, experiment, try it out, play with it. And you will figure out your own way of using it. And I do think, you know, we all probably use it slightly differently. You know, sometimes I'll just fire a random question at it. I'll give me 10 bullet points for this because yeah. I haven't got time to think of it. Yeah. And other times, if I am starting something new, I might give it a much more detailed prompt, which is like, right, here's my course. Here's the title. Here's the duration. Here's the objective. This is what I'm trying to achieve. And then it's like a much longer kind of collaborative process. So as you said, and I think that's a really key point, is focus, know what your purpose is. You know, be clear on what it is that you're trying to achieve in that particular moment and then think, OK, how can this technology best help me to achieve my objective, perhaps more quickly, perhaps more effectively and perhaps in a more fun way than I would have done just by doing it by myself. So, so yeah, just just give it a go. Just play yeah. with it. Have fun. Experiment. Don't be put off. Don't say things like I'm not good with technology because it's. <laughs> So it's so user-friendly and it's so straightforward. And it is just, yeah, as we've said, just having a collaborator sat alongside you, but you're just feeding questions yeah. and then you decide what you want to do with the information it gives you. Absolutely. You have to take everything it it creates and apply your judgment and your experience and your expertise to it. And I think the only thing that I would add to it is, is the clearer that you can be with what you want it to do, the better yes. your outcome is going to be. And don't be afraid yeah. to keep rephrasing the question. That's the other thing, isn't it? It's just, um, yeah, you yeah, get there absolutely. in the end. <laughs> yes, quite. Yeah. But, you know, it's just great for for idea generation. So, you know, we've all got things that we've probably, you know, come to time and time again and exercises and activities that we've used time and again. And it, yeah. and it gets boring yeah. us as well as for our clients. <laughs> so just to get some new ideas and say, give me, you know, three ideas for an exercise to achieve this objective because you know what it is that you're looking to achieve and the learning point you want to get across. And it will just give you some ideas for a new way of doing it. Yeah. They might not be that great to begin with, but keep asking, keep asking. And even if it just gives you an idea of something that you will then go on and develop, just the start of an idea, because sometimes you're just a bit, you know, you get that kind of like blockage or you're tired or you're busy or you're overwhelmed or you know you've only got 20 minutes for your next meeting and you want to just get something done or whatever so you know use it just to kind of take some of that pressure off yourself and just make your life a little bit easier yeah I mean that's actually I'm not going to start a whole new conversation because I am aware of time but actually using chat GPT for research can be incredibly helpful and what you said there you've got 20 minutes before your meeting so for example you could ask it what are the 10 biggest challenges facing this industry right now boom they're there yeah. Um, and then you can go in having a few questions in your mm-hmm. back pocket, which you know, make it look like you, well, you're going to be asking intelligent questions. Yeah, know? absolutely. And if you've never used those questions, it's going to make you feel more confident going into that meeting, yeah. knowing that you've got something to kind of like fall back on. And, it, you know, it, the context might not come up. You've got something there. 
And actually, if you're having that meeting over Zoom, you can even in the background <laughs> be stealthily <laughs> typing away into GPT looking for answers while you're in the middle of the conversation. Oh, but it is interesting to say about the collaborative tool as well, because quite often in our in our WhatsApp chat and even in our designer drop-ins, we get the questions, don't we? And it's interesting because we still seem to come to people first, usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just occasionally, it's like, oh, I don't really know. And then either you or Jackie or me will go, Let's just ask ChatGPT. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. There so are we, still some things that I will ask. I'll, I'll get better answers if I ask the human beings in the community <laughs> than I will over ChatGPT, partly because I don't know how to phrase the question in a way that ChatGPT will understand it. But a community of trained designers I know will understand what I'm what I'm getting at <laughs> because from, yeah. they're all in the same kind of field and have the same experience and that kind of thing. Sometimes like, I just don't think ChatGPT is going to get this or I've tried it and ChatGPT doesn't get what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. So sometimes you do need that that kind of human input and interaction. So again, it's it's just that balance. It is. If it doesn't work, come to what you know and that's absolutely fine. Yeah, and, and it is. It is very, I mean, we, we do think of it almost as another member now, don't we? So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's another great member of our community. Give, give it a prod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So cool. It's been absolutely brilliant talking to you, Eleanor, about this. And I know that we, we, we both embrace it. We both think it's exciting. We both see the possibilities. But equally, we both know that there's so much more to learn. And it's lovely to share learning with each other and obviously I've put quite a lot in our VIP members area but that is just the tip of the iceberg yeah yeah no for sure it's a a great starting point though so some of those short videos that you've made for us are are fantastic just to give people the idea because I think there are still people that are like I don't know what to do I don't know where to start I don't know how to use this but yeah I think once you start you can't stop no (laughs) because you get caught up and then it, and it starts to make sense and it starts to evolve and then it starts to just become, and it's now just kind of part of my, my daily working life. When I log onto my computer, it's one of the first applications that I open because I know that at some point I'm going to be going to be tapping into my, my little assistant. So, yeah. so yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's great. As I say, it's exciting and it's fun to be working a slightly different way and to be learning a new set of skills, absolutely enhancing my world and making my life a little bit easier and helping me to kind of stay relevant to stay updated to you know rather than going to the same kind of models and ideas and exercises and things like that that I've been using for years to kind of stay up to date with with different ideas and different kind of new theories and things like that that are coming through so so yeah it's great and if we want to stay relevant which we all do then absolutely embrace it. Well, I couldn't say it better myself, Eleanor. So thank you so much for your time today. Please do um, look up the Training Designers Club. There's a YouTube, there's a website, there's obviously this podcast. Please do connect with Eleanor on LinkedIn. Um, She is such an experienced learning designer, a really valuable person to have in your network. You can also find us on Facebook and in all the usual places. So I hope that you found that interesting and useful and I would love to know how you're embracing artificial intelligence in your training design and if artificial intelligence is still relatively new to you if you've heard about it but haven't quite embraced it yet if it feels a little bit overwhelming or confusing um, don't worry there's a brand new course coming in the Training Designers Club um, towards the end of January 2024 and it will demystify 
everything that is out there because it is enormous and lots of people look at it um, and use lots of language that we're not familiar with and it can be quite off-putting um, but it is something that I genuinely think that we need to embrace so look out for that course and it will focus solely on using AI and chat GPT to aid your training design it's not going to confuse you with all of the other things that AI can do it's going to be very much a here are the stages of training design and here is where and how AI can help you. So do look out for that. And I promise, because I'm a middle-aged woman, there will be no technical jargon used in that. We'll be using terms and phrases that you are familiar with and that are meaningful to you. So sign up to the Training Designers Club newsletter. Make sure you are connected with me on LinkedIn or in our Facebook group, and you won't miss out when that is launched. To find out more, please visit our website, which is www.trainingdesignersclub.co.uk. You can find us on YouTube and, of course, you can connect with me and all of my guests on LinkedIn. And check out the free Facebook group as well. I can't wait to get to know you better there.